Running a brokerage is hard work. So whether you're focused on building your own sales pipeline, hiring the best agents, leveling up your team's production, or protecting culture you've built, you're in the right place. Real estate brings the challenges, and we share the solution. Welcome to the show dedicated to broker entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Brokerpreneur Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Brokerpreneur Podcast. I'm Dr. Ben Spears, the Doctor of Flow. I'm here as usual with the big guy, Matt Vi. How's it going, Matt? Doing absolutely fantastic. Super excited about our guest. I get to talk to him on a regular basis, so I, I love talking to him. He's gonna he's gonna bring the heat for us today. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's exact. That's exactly right. Let's go ahead and bring him on. We have Omid Akali. Uh, who is an absolute investor specialist knows knows everything about that. We're yeah. definitely going to talk a little bit about recruiting Absolutely. and stuff because you know that's where people you know kind of drive into our podcast a little bit. But um, if you've ever you know wanted to, to to learn anything about working in the investment in the real estate investment world, man, you are going to want to grab a pencil and paper and and and, and start taking notes. So, Omid, tell us um, where you know where are you first of all, and tell us a little bit I- about. Yeah, into uh, investments. First off, thank you guys for having me as a guest. Absolutely have a blast every time we do this. Um, I live in Minnesota, um, the land of 10,000 lakes. Right. <laughs> so it's a great time of year for us. We got two months to enjoy them all. <laughs> <laughs> two months, just two months. Oh, no. So, yeah, killer. So tell us, tell us a little bit about how you got into the investment space. So I've been in real estate for a, slightly over 20 years. And when the market tanked, um, I did a lot of BPOs for third party, third party companies that repped banks. Um, and that is sort of how I got ushered into the um, investment space. Because I got to know how values can change in a down market. And I realized that no matter uh, what cycle the market is in, um, typically it's good for investors because you're either selling high or you're buying low. Um, and I got to learn in a very tedious way, a lot about valuing properties, um, a lot about valuations. And so as the market started to reemerge and, um, people were buying, you know, investors started picking up a lot of properties cheap. Um, I, that's how I got into investment. Uh, yeah. began having a lot of investor buyers and you know figuring out ways to get them good deals on properties and <clears throat> now here I am love that so so you and I get a chance to talk on a, on a pretty regular basis and and I always enjoy the the conversations one because you're you're a sharp guy with what you with what you do the other thing is you've always, there's always some kind of story, right? You and I talked one time and you had just walked out of the basement of a house and your feet were wet and you had to hurry up and get in the car and turn it off so that that your feet wouldn't freeze inside your shoes. Like another time I talked to you and you're on the top of an apartment complex and the snow is whipping all over the place and and you're getting ready to put that deal together to work with a work with an investor. So there's always, there's always something cool going on with that, with, with what you do. What do you, so that's the things that I like about it. What do you like best about being in that, in the space that you're in, in that investment space? What do you enjoy the most about doing what you do? Several things, actually. Um, For one, the investment part of real estate as compared to the traditional side is mostly numbers and value based. So it's a more pragmatic way to be in a real estate transaction. Secondly, like you said, there's never a dull moment. It's never mm-hmm. boring. Um, there's endless problem sol- solving, which I see as 
stacking onto my expertise. And so I, I'm constantly solving different problems, some normal, some outrageous, um, but it kind of thickens my skin to the problems that occur in real estate transactions. Um, and it's just exciting. It's, it's really exciting because it's never the same. There's no monotony about it. Um, some days I'm in the office all day. Some days I'm looking at 12 properties in a day. Sometimes they're apartment buildings. Sometimes they're strip malls. Um, you know, like you said, there, I was on top of a two-story building during a blizzard looking at holes in a rubber roof, right? So it's just it's just never the same. And yeah. so that's what's exciting about it. And um, also, I, I get to use a lot of uh, a lot of skills in what I do. Uh, a lot of it is diplomacy. If I am speaking with distressed homeowners, um, typically I have to find a way to be relate relatable to them, and that's usually the case. Um, and then if I'm speaking to investors, I've just based on the sheer amount of time I've been in my immediate market, um, there's a lot that investors and I uh, mutually learn from each other. So uh, one of the things I think it, it's really exciting because of how adaptable I need to be. Right. Um, so it's just, it's never boring, you know, and the cycles, uh, the way the <laughs> cycles in real estate affect the investment side are not always like terrible. Right. Yeah. And there's no, if everything completely tanks, then everything is pretty cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and there's not just, there's just not as much emotion in it. Right. I mean, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not emotion. There is a little bit of emotion, but not definitely not like the traditional side. Yeah. It's so mainly uh, numbers based in it, you know, do the numbers work and different micro and macro factors that affect. Um, we see things slow down when, when rates are higher, right? So. Yeah. So that's a, so, you know, and we could, I love the investment side. We could talk about that all day, but I also want to talk about recruiting because you, you've got a, uh, you've got a very significant role in, in some recruiting that you've, uh, that you've done. I love how you tie the two of those together. You, you put those two things together. And, and so, you know, a lot of times you'll have a conversation with a, with an agent and the conversation starts out, Hey, would you like to, you know, do you want to be part of this brokerage that, that you're with? And then other times what you're uh, what you're saying is, hey, I can help you out with that investment stuff. Oh, by the way, there's there's also an opportunity with this brokerage that I'm with. So you can come at it from a, from a couple of different directions. Right. When you're having your conversations with agents that are trying to learn more about uh, about the investment side or learn more about your about your company and you're making that transition between the two of them, what is the main thing that an agent needs to do? If they're thinking about getting into the the investment space, what's the main thing that you talk to them about? And then tell us a little bit about you know how you how you help from a recruiting standpoint, help them grow their business with that. I think the main thing an agent would need to do is the easiest thing would be to find investor clients first. Um, the way that they can be the most valuable is to figure out how to get deals with Mark margins because if you have a deal with a margin it's much easier to find an investor to buy them than if it's the surest way to get into the investment side it's finding deals with margins uh learning constantly how to value properties um but as you said it, it the recruitment side greatly feeds 
the investment side of the business for me. Actually, funny you mentioned about 10 minutes before this started, I took a call from an agent that I recruited less than two weeks ago. Um, she needed a referral for a transaction coordinator who speaks her language, one of which I know through the investment world. Her and her husband own several properties and are looking to buy more. So she, she wanted to see if we had anything. And then she only does residential. So she wanted a referral for a um, commercial agent to, to partner with her and help one of her clients find, uh, you know, find like a restaurant, right? By a lake here in Minnesota. So all this came from one random phone call for, a refer uh, for you know, a recruitment. So sometimes, you know, obviously it's it, a lot of things in real estate are a number numbers game. I speak with agents for recruitments that never join or it, never, it doesn't work out for them. But sometimes um, I recruit agents and they they feed the investment business and we mutually learn a lot from each other and deals get done. So it's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's great for networking. Yeah. Also, most agents... Um, uh, most agents get into real estate with the intention of being their own best client, but they just get caught up in the madness and they forget about it in about a week and a half. And then they're opening doors forever, you know? Um, and then they never do that. So it's a great way for agents to, in my world, when I speak with agents about moving their business and we wind up talking about it, it almost always goes into the investment conversation Mm -hmm. um, but it always helps align and uh, for them to stay on track with why they got into real estate in the first place. I do think most people get into real estate so that they can become their own best client investment wise. Yeah. So it's usually yeah, the I, ultimate goal. Yeah. I, I, so I, I love the, the piece that you touched on as far as, you know, you made, you know, one phone call and led into all these different opportunities. Yeah. And, and and so, you know, I want to lean on Matt just here for a little bit, you know, because we talk a little bit about this as far as, you know, from a recruiting standpoint also, um, you know, talking to that one agent can lead to multiple opportunities as well, you know, as 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 a broker owner like our audience. Yeah. So what so what he did was he had uh, he didn't go into the phone conversation and tell me if I'm wrong about this. You didn't go into the phone conversation with a singular result. You went into the phone no. conversation being open to what was going on with that person and you were able to elaborate, right? Absolutely. You know, the funny thing about um, doing a lot of recruitment appointments is I feel, and I didn't know this when I started, but what has happened and has compounded over a couple of years is I have, I've gotten so much what I like to call unusable, it's really not unusable information, but like unnecessary information, unusable information, because I'm a good listener. So when I'm talking to agents, I'm usually getting a really good pulse of on what's going on in our market because they're telling me about their company. They're telling me about their state in their business. Um, they're telling me about what they like or dislike about their company or, or certain different companies, or they're telling me their insight on the market. So if I talk to a couple dozen people, um, a month or even a dozen people, I'm usually um, learning a lot about what's going on in the market from their perspective. So I actually learn quite a bit that way too. So there's a lot of info that comes out of that. 
Yeah, that's a uh, so that absolutely that's what everybody wants to do is whenever they have that conversation, they want to be able to get a lot of data so that it helps them not only with that particular uh, recruit that they're dealing with, but also just makes them more effective from a big picture standpoint of anybody else that they're dealing with in the, in the market. So it's, it's great to, it's great to discern all that, that information from them. So, uh, so tell us, uh, so really quickly, you know, I want to talk a little bit more in just a second about how people find kind of those off market, off market properties. Okay. I want to dig into that in just a second, but before we, uh, before we do that, I want to hear about, uh, you know, what is a, what is a transaction that, that you, that you thought there was no way it was going to come together and then, and then something happened, and it was just, uh, it was just able to click. Was there, there was there one that one transaction that just kind of sticks in your head that that is like, man, I never thought this would work. And then something fell into, and then something fell into place with it. And then, and then you know, talk, and then after that, talk to us a little bit about how you find those uh, those transactions. Um, there isn't really one in particular, but I will say I'm going to cluster the most difficult transactions. So we have several transactions that come out of really complicated title situations. Um, whether it is an investor who got a hard money loan and they defaulted and they're due and there are numerous people who are, who have a hold on title. Um, a lot of times those are really hard to detangle. Um, the ones that have almost never closed and have been saved are typically coming out of a, complicated lending or title situation and it's a huge mess um and actually there are very few people who can resolve those uh, and it takes a really good team it takes a team of people who have past experience even knowing that these are problems that are solvable and it a lot of times it takes the right title company who is willing and used to doing it because um uh, a lot of times the juice isn't worth the squeeze on those um, so if I could think of the deals that I thought for sure would fall apart, but they wound up working, it's these kind of deals. And a lot of times because they're cash deals, they're, we're able to navigate a lot easier than if, it, if there were mortgage restrictions in place. So sometimes the same transaction is closing three times within three days because it's cash and it's closed and it's cash and it's closed and there are no there are no payups. So a lot of them are those. Now, as far as where we get, we try as hard as possible to get off-market deals because on the residential side, some some sometimes those are the best margins. And on the commercial or bigger um, figure deals, a lot of those deals trade without ever hitting the market because the, the um, groups of people who are dealing with those are... are I like to call the city, the Twin Cities, a big small town. There are small. There are several groups, and like everyone knows, you know, you kind of know the other players in town. Right. So a lot of the bigger commercial deals happen way before they even hit the market. You know, there's word of mouth. Hey, this amazing property is going to become, you know, uh, is going to come available soon, and then offers are coming in. So, uh we wound up getting a lot of the residential ones. I get a lot of them from agents. So I handle acquisitions at our company, um, get a lot of them from agents, which is why I like networking so much with agents because um, they're constantly trying to be or being in front of sellers. Mm -hmm. um, 
And a lot of times it's a much more convenient and smooth process to sell to a cash buyer than um, to fix it up, spend time, go on the market, have buyers come, pick the house apart during inspections, renegotiate and that kind of thing. Um, and a lot of times the closing timeline isn't that flexible. We also get a lot of deals from, I network a lot with um, uh, estate attorneys and probate attorneys because um, that's how a lot of distressed properties uh, come available um, and just networking in general. We do a lot of marketing as well. Yeah. Postcards, <clears throat> we have callers, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> Hey, Dr. Ben here. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If sometimes you feel overloaded or alone when it comes to building your brokerage, I want you to know that we are here for you. There's so much support available to agents, but hardly any dedicated to brokers. I want to personally invite you to schedule a complimentary strategy call where Matt will help you build a three-step profitability plan that will immediately produce results. This is not a sales pitch. There's no obligation. Simply click the link in the description below. Now let's get back to the show. Right. I love that. The so if I was if I was a broker, right, and I had and I had agents in my office, and I just knew, gosh, you know, there's a certain percentage of them that um, you know are interested in working working with uh, investors. You know what? What would be like the first thing that I would that I would you know? I said, "Hey, everybody, you know that's interested in this, hop into the conference room. Um, we're going to have a, a meeting." What would be you know your your piece of advice if you had five agents you know in a conference room, let's say, and they were interested in kind of going down this path? What would be like some first steps that that you I would? would do? I would, as a broker, I would get the agents who are interested, and I would first thing I would do is um the first thing that I would do would be um, find a really good investor, one that, that performs and one that has the capacity to do like a wide variety of deals, like a stable investor, because there are a lot of investors who only look for one thing or they only look for one area. So they might not be robust enough or um, equipped enough to take on like deals from five separate agents. Right. Um, so I would find, that and then um i would make sure that it's a, a a broker that's easy or i'm sorry an investor that's easy to work with and one that has the funds to perform i would say those are the most important things um and then find good deals for the investor and it typically works out that way yeah that's a- I, would, I, I would i would say the most important thing is vetting your investor because um to make sure that they can perform, to make sure that their financing is is uh, aligned with what deals you can possibly bring them, right? So some people get hard money loans, which are usually higher interest and higher points and pretty subject to banking climates. So if there are liquidity issues in national banking or, you know, the feds um, do a rate hike, it, it could mean like, a pause right like a hiatus for a while um but investors who have cash or who have a line um then they're typically unaffected by that so even though uh, rates might go up a little bit right so um a lot of it has to do with that and being having someone with experience having someone who knows how to solve the right problems title issues mainly or you know uh it could be hard problems or it could be simple problems. Sometimes it's like um, 
you get a property that is f coming from a couple who that are divorcing and they won't speak to each other and you need someone who can like be a diplomat basically right right like sometimes you're a therapist sometimes you're <laughs> that's right you know sometimes you are um sometimes we're helping uh sometimes a, a referee <laughs> yeah sometimes a referee <laughs> like a wrestling referee yeah that's right <laughs> i'm on the mat sometimes you know <laughs> um yeah sometimes we're helping someone downsize you know uh who doesn't want to update their house it hasn't been updated for 30 years sometimes we're helping people um connecting them with a moving company because they're moving to a different state they're relocating some a lot of times what we're doing is helping people sell their clothes on their house on a specific date because they're getting a cash offer and that's what they need to move into their next house the same day yeah. in a way that most mortgage companies can't because like sometimes we'll close in 48 hours. Um, here's a crazy one guy is a pilot. Um, I'm on my way to snowboard in Colorado. I'm at the airport. We've, I've been working this deal for six months. He calls and says, hey, uh, we need to close today or I'm not closing. So I make a call before I get on the flight and have our title company that we work with agree to close the same day, which I don't know about other states, but here it's almost impossible to do that. But we've developed that relationship with the title company, right? So they were able to close the same day. Um, oh, that wow. that would probably be one of the deals I thought would never close, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's what he was thinking too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to ask you. So I'm going to ask you one more question that I know everybody's wanting to wanting to hear. Right, with everything going on in the market, I'm going to ask you that, and then and then Ben, of course, will let everybody know how to get how to get in touch with you. Okay. So, uh, okay. You know, so tell us about foreclosures. Right, I know you keep an eye on this and and pay attention to the pulse of it. Are you are you starting to see more foreclosures in the market? Are you starting to hear about more of that happening, or are they still being absorbed a lot uh, by the by the market? Tell us a little bit what you're what you're seeing from from your investment acquisition standpoint. So I would have expected to see a flurry of foreclosures. Maybe that hasn't hit yet. We do kind of keep an eye on those, but even in a great market, we're constantly chasing foreclosures, right? Um, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the people who chase foreclosures resell those to us. So regardless of if it's a great market or not, we're usually buying foreclosures. We also buy foreclosure lists. We have callers who call homeowners who are going into foreclosure and we say, Hey, um, looks like you're going to lose your house in 40 days and get a hit on your credit. Um, what if we can pay you for a quick claim deed or we can pay it off and give you money to start over and you save your credit from the foreclosure, right? So a lot of times we're, we're buying for foreclosures any, anyway, right. but um, we haven't seen this like huge wave of foreclosures hit yet. And it's something I've been hearing for, for a while, you know, maybe I'm a little bit desensit desensitized to it, but uh, I'm not exactly expecting it either because we look at right. um, buying deals from so many different sources, right? Sometimes we're even buying, you know, like re like excellent condition houses because the people don't want to um don't want to have a bunch of strangers walking through their house if they go yeah. to market. So we're buying we're buying houses anyway, regardless of if there's a foreclosure doomsday 
period above us or not, you know? Um, gotcha. So not that I'm hoping for it, but would be pretty busy if there was a wave of foreclosures. Um, but either way, there are foreclosures in good markets too. So the way we see it, there are always foreclosures. Yeah, oppor- opportunities, you know, all the way around us for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, here's the thing. I want to make and sure. I, 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 I don't want, sorry. No, go ahead. I don't want to spec. I don't want to speculate either and say, "Hey, I think they're gonna, there's gonna be this," you know, because there's so much news and there's so much info and there's so many reasons there should be and so many reasons. I've been hearing since 2018 that the real estate market's gonna take a mega hit. I'm still waiting for it, you know. Right. So you don't know like the day and the time. That it's gonna no okay, but I'll let you know. Since I did. Yeah, email me. Email <laughs> it's gonna me. Gonna be August August forty fifth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, I mean, I want to make sure everybody knows how to get in touch with you, and if they have any questions or if they just uh, want to say, you know what, I want to be connected with with a really with a really great guy. Um, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you or connect with you? Uh, moving forward i'm actually pretty laid back and i like being on a cell phone and email basis so i'm happy to share my phone number and email yeah perfect um will you share it with us yeah absolutely 612-245-7020 and my first and last name at gmail.com o-m-i-d-a-k-a-l-e at gmail.com Perfect, guys. And I'll put that in the description below. I just wanted to make sure that it was there in case you were driving in your car. I didn't want you looking at your phones. And so, um, Moment, we're so we're so excited that you're here with us. As always, we love talking to you on a you know on a regular basis. And you're just you thank know, you, same. You're, same. you're just top notch in everything you do. So um, appreciate it. Matt, anything else? We're gonna put a little bow on it. No, we could I could talk to him all day. You know it. <clears throat> well, that'll be part two. Yep. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys. <laughs> Yeah. Well, guys, if you're listening to this, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, any of those platforms, make sure you hit that follow button. If you're watching this on YouTube, what's up? What's up? Hit that red subscribe button, that bell right beside of you, get notified every time we drop a new episode. Go over, go over, you know, click on the link below, obviously, after you reach out and connect with Omid, uh, but and and reach out and and connect with us and come to Brokerpreneur Not So Secret Society. We do that every single Friday at 12 o'clock. It is absolutely free for any broker, any owner. Or just any podcast listener to come in, talk to Matt and I for an hour, and uh, we talk about recruiting, retention, and agent productivity, as always. Matt, yeah, we man. do this and interview amazing guests just like Omid for one reason and one reason alone. Tell them why that is. We just want to be part of your win. 